This is the way. very special um, series that we've just begun called Dispatches from the Outer Rim. And tonight what we'll be talking about is episodes one and two of The Mandalorian. Myself, I'm Jared Birdsong, also known as Barack Baggins, the first black mayor of the Shire. Hanging out with me is Frank Escamilla. I want you to say hello, my friend. This is the way. That's all he's got. Okay. Also hanging out with me is Jared Sams. What do you got? OTT! What's that sound? The uh, the job was a little thing. Um, I love that thing. I don't know why to this day that's that's the shit that I, I remember the most about Star Wars is um, and then Jedi's is number two. You know what I mean? That's what you remember most about Star Wars. I don't know what it is, that? man. My first Star Wars was Return of the Jedi, so it makes sense. So it makes sense in that context. That's how that's what a child remembers is like the little Muppet on Jabba's belly going, um, <laughs> it sounds like the sound you make when you get a hair in your butt. <laughs> Did you record me? Are you watching me? Is that what's happening? Uh, I just know, I know the pain, brother. <laughs> this is the way. You guys, you know, real quick, um, you know, not that we were really planning to do a, a quick recap of uh, season one, that's fresh, Frankie. Not that we're looking to do a quick recap of season one, but so far, when you add in episodes one and episodes two, have they so far met any of your expectations for better or for worse? I'm going to let Frankie go, because I feel like Frankie's got a lot to say about this. <laughs> I enjoyed season two, episode one. It was, uh, it was entertaining. There's a lot of action. It gave us um, it gave us what we've been waiting for for a season, and probably even before that, which was uh, what's going on with Boba Fett. I think most of us thought that the Mandalorian was going to be about Boba Fett. So, you know, getting uh, getting a glimpse at his armor and later a foreshadowing of a possible story arc in this was really dope. Um, but see, episode two, man. Bro, I'm just I'm sitting with it and I'm just not I'm not pleased. I'm not I'm 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 like we get eight episodes and that just felt kind of like a like a filler. A, a a filler, a convenient filler that had a lot of fan service and a convenient frog passenger uh with a lot of eggs. You know, mm -hmm. and I, you know it's funny, it's like people there's there's a debate going on, there's a big argument about about whether or not the, the child is a monster for this. Uh, people are like, he's a baby. I'm yeah. like, first off, he ain't a baby. He's 50 fucking years old. Excuse my language. He's 50 years old. He knows yeah. he knows something. Two, he, he's he's wiping out a species on screen. <laughs> We're witnessing this. Maybe that's a yeah. foreshadowing of him being the next Sith Lord. I don't know, but it's it was just, yeah, I was I was I was a little I was entertained, but I was a little disappointed in the episode. Yeah, Jared. I, I don't know, man. Like, like I feel like even that regard, it's like Yoda lives to be 900 years old. So, like, who's to say that childhood, t infancy isn't 
from age one to seventy five. You know, he can't even talk yet, so he's still obviously a baby, right? You like can, you would you not be able to survive. survive. 50 years if you had a baby's mentality. He, if that, without Mando, he wouldn't survive. Without Mando, Baby Yoda would be dead. That's the whole point. It's like Mando is a bad father, but he yeah, is but the, still... the species alone we're talking about, right? The but species... the species, if you're, if you're part of that species, you probably have parents who take care of you for 50 years. I'm just saying, they're aliens, and they live to be 900 years old. If, we're, if we can accept that the babies... <laughs> Yo, that I, the babies are fifty years old, then we have to also accept that okay, it's a baby, right? Well, like, I, I got a lot. Of, I got some friends that are that are probably baby Yoda's species because they're about thirty seven to forty, and their parents <laughs> are still take care of them. So, yeah. so uh, <laughs> I mean, I, look, at, I, I I do feel yeah. that actually. I, I I I do I do understand. I, I feel like I like baby Yoda better actually. So, and baby Yoda probably makes <laughs> better decisions in them as well. Um, I don't know. Like uh, I, I agree with you. Episode one. Episode one is a is I thought was a hoot. Like I had a lot of fun. It was like Jaws. I, I the whole thing feels like a Jenny Tartowski thing. Like a you know and like knowing the history of Jenny Tartowski and Star Wars with his version of the Clone Wars and how Lucas just wrote it out of existence because it didn't fit with what he wanted. It felt kind of awesome seeing Filoni and 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 um, uh, and Favreau kind of kind of like return to that feeling, you know, of, of like a Tartowski sort of sort of feel, like a Samurai Jack type of thing. Even like the idea, episode one ended with like an aspect ratio change, which is like, like I said, I don't know. I, I was getting like feelings of like, just like these one-off fun adventures. So episode one, I really dug. And I like I, I liked the use of fan service. Like you're definitely using all this stuff that really applies to fans, like Korath Vanth, um, the, uh, the guy that... Um, What's that pretty white boy? What's that pretty white boy actor who played the? Yeah, T Timothy Oliphant. I guess he's from a, a book series uh, that like like written like five years ago or something like that. And you know all these designs and the monster itself is a reference from like Rebels and like they, they do they they do such a good job of incorporating a lot of fan stuff without I feel overshadowing what's important to the story, right? What's important to the theme of of the Mandalorian, which is about honor, it's about redemption, it's about responsibility. Um, they're still able to kind of like tie all that stuff together and, and still give you a lot, a lot of cool Star Wars stuff. Lots, Episode lots two. Of frog eggs, huh? Lots and lots of and, frog eggs. And, and, you know, <laughs> I don't know, man. Flag. Like, Star Wars isn't high art. Like, I get what, look at the frog stuff, it's convenient, but I don't know, it's funny. I don't know, I laughed. Like, when that frog lady, when they're getting chased by that spider, and that frog lady hiked up her dress and started leapfrogging, like, I was cheering. I was literally like, go, frog lady, get out of it. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I... I was so mad. I was like, she she jumped so... Like, she, she could have walked faster than what she jumped. I was like, this is sad. <laughs> this It made me uncomfortable. It made me really uncomfortable to watch her hop around the snow, picking her dress up. Like I wasn't you know what I like? frog lady. Don't frog shame her. Don't frog shame that lady. Let her live. Let her be her. Yeah. All right. They don't know what it's like to be a frog woman. And I got You know what I liked the best about the frog lady was that when she was sitting in that bathtub and those spiders started to come out, there was a the first scene it shows where she realized that they're in deep trouble is her tongue out and she grabs her clothes. It cuts back to Mando for about 
three seconds. And when it cuts back to her, she's fully dressed. She got dressed. I mean, she got dressed like, like she was having an affair and the wife just got home. Like she got dressed crazy fast. And that's that. I don't know why that part stuck with me because I'm like, how did she get her clothes on? Because I was worried about her up until that moment because she was still butt naked inside the bathtub and the spiders were coming. And I'm thinking she's not going to get dressed in time. She's stuck. But next thing you know, she just had all her clothes on. You know, I don't know it's because she's it... slippery. So she just exactly. slipped, slipped into them really, really quick. No, I think she was trying to seduce Mando a little bit too. Is that what it was? Like, there was a definite look in her eye of seduction and like, you know, daddy's on another planet, so uh, <laughs> I need someone to help me with these eggs. You know, it was it was uncomfortable. <laughs> you know, the whole episode was uncomfortable. You thought she was going to try to get Mando to fertilize the eggs? She, I don't know if she was going to try to get him to fertilize the eggs, but she looked like she was inviting them to that hot tub. When daddy <laughs> frogs away, mama frog will play. I think that's what, I think that's what, that's what's going on there. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> she had a bottle of crystal next to the to the bad tub, ready to go to try to seduce him with, right? She brought her own caviar. <laughs> That's pretty foul. Oh. I don't know, man. I guess for me, the um, this episode, I actually had a lot of fun with episode two. I found it to be, you know, pretty fun, and I, I kind of liked the horror movie quality of it as it kind of the first half of it. I kind of thought was kind of cool when the Razor Crest is just flying out there. Well, actually, let me go back a little bit. I liked Amy Sedaris in the first season. I thought um, her character relieved a little bit of what is bleak about the Outer Rim. Because normally in the Outer Rim, everyone's acting super tough, kind of uncaring. They're, you know, people are just kind of jerks, ready to kill each other at you know, the slightest misunderstood glance. But the cool thing I liked about Amy Sedaris in the first um, season was that she was the first person who reacted to Baby Yoda the way that we as fans act react to Baby Yoda, right? Like she was taken with him. She thought he was cute. And when she shows up in episode two, she's doing the same thing. She's happy to see Baby Yoda. She's like, hey, this thing ever, you know, splits into two. Let me know. I'll buy one. I mean, I thought it was strange enough. Now, I've seen Amy Sedaris in a lot of different things. And this is probably one of the first things I've seen her in where I fully like the character that she portrays. She does a great job of the character. I, to me, I like, I think the character's fun. And, you know, the truth of the matter is that, Bill, not Spielberg, but um, Lucas has always wanted to have there to be some little bit of comic angle to what's going on. And they're definitely not getting that out of Pedro Pascal, his killed character, except for like, you know, subtle glances or the way he moves his head. But for the most part, you, you had to find someone else to do it. And I thought she did a good job. That ant was a bit, tr that seemed a little bit overboard. I don't know. About you. It's like, there's something about Star Wars I always thought was kind of cool that they'd have sometimes these ridiculous characters. And I, so when the ant first showed up, I'm like, okay, that's just too on the nose. It's just an ant. It wasn't like a dude that was kind of ant-like. It was just an ant straight up. And I thought, okay, this is a little bit overboard. But then I thought, okay, you know what? Star Wars has ridiculous characters. And I just learned to live with it five seconds after seeing it. I was mad at first, and then I decided I was cool with it. I think that was a reference to uh, the director, Peyton Reed. He's, uh, he directed Ant-Man. So I think that was a reference to, the, to him, I want to say, maybe. Because, like, it was so ostentatious that it's yeah. hard not to be right like it's like okay that's a big fucking ant that must be something i thought it was a reference to honey i shrunk the kids i thought maybe they got the prop half yeah. price and then just sat it at the poker table no they dressed that, up rick Morandis. That annoyed me too that whole scene that comic relief scene like i was i was so annoyed i'm like 
you're on a planet with two suns. You ain't gonna be that chipper and happy. I'm sorry. Yeah. It was it was really yeah. I I don't know. I was just like ah, I don't want to see this. Oh man. You know, I also I think there's something about like like I like the callback to episode to prisoners from season one, um, and like the idea of like Mondo being on this like journey where he's like trying to do the honorable thing, one to be a good example as a parent, and just to like you know fulfill his creed in, in a more responsible way. And I love that like the decisions he made in pre decisions he's made, especially from one of the episodes, one of my favorite episodes of the series overall came back in a way that mattered in that moment, right? Like, I guess it could be seen as convenient, like these people just know all this stuff and they let them go or whatever, but I don't know, I thought it was a good callback and I thought it helped more, helped cement the idea that like Mondo's making decisions that are helping him and that are that are worthy. Yeah, you know, I agree with that. You That's what I, that's why I'm saying the cool thing about the second episode, why I liked it is I felt that it's still in line with what they're trying to portray about the Mandalorian, right? Is that he's attempting to be a, I don't want to say a better person, but that because he has this journey of trying to return the kid, that he's searching for ways to resolve some of these issues. What's the, what am I thinking of? Some conflicts different than he had before unless pressed, right? That even happens with uh, Timothy Oliphant's character where he could have, you know, decided, well, I'm not going to try to kill the crate dragon for you. I could just shoot you now and just take the armor back and let you guys figure out the crate dragon. Instead, he decided, well, you know, maybe I can save this town and I get the armor. It's a different way for him to approach. It's, it's simply it's a different approach to the way that you would assume that the Mandalorian had been dealt dealing with issues the way that Mandalorians had dealt with bounties in the past. Right. No questions asked. We do the job for better or for worse. Right. And it seems that that story and this one were trying to tell you that, okay, he's on a different journey right now than what the Mandalorian had previously been on. I think this is a setup. I think they're setting us up for um, for Baby Yoda to be the villain. You think so? Seriously? I, think, I seriously, I'm feeling like that now. I think um, because of what you just said, because of the, the, the changes that Mando's going through and the sacrifices that he's made to, to honor his, this mission, like his people, his 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 homies were killed, right? They were, you know, most of them were taken out um, because of his decision to save this child, right? Uh, and and uh, and so I feel like it's it's setting us up for a twist. I wouldn't be surprised if you know towards the end of this series we're going to find out like like uh, you know Baby Yoda that this that the scene in episode two was of Baby Yoda eating the eggs, you know, no matter how comical it felt was a foreshadowing of, like, this creature wiping out, you know, species, right? Um, I, I, I seriously, I think that might be the direct... And it would be a... It would, you know, it would make a lot of people angry. It would, it would uh, you know... I mean, it might, it might... Adult Star Wars fans might really like that twist. Um, and maybe they won't because it's not going to sell. I mean, they're selling a lot of toys right now. But... <clears throat> it feels like that that's happening. It feels like it's a setup for that because Mandel's making some decisions that are not smart, uh, are not you know within his code, uh, and he's gonna. I think at some point that dilemma is gonna be something he's gonna struggle with in the series. Jared, no, I agree. I mean, like, I think uh, I think I think that's yeah. I mean, I think Frankie nailed it. Um, but I think that's central to what they're setting up. You know, like. Is, this is a this is a journey and a challenge for Mondo to step up to, right? Like he can bounty hunt like bounty hunt like nobody's business. 
He's very good at hurting people, but uh, but can he do right by this child? Right? Okay. Like we've seen what what happens when Jedi's go bad. Right? We saw we we saw that video. What happens when Jedi's stop being nice and start being you know Sith? Um, and so you know, is he does he have it in him to 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 stop that from happening? Well, I guess we'll see. I don't know, man. I I would be very surprised if somehow there might be challenges to. To um, Baby Yoda's character, things you know, just you know, small decisions, but the decisions that were to me that seems that they would eventually be challenges to Baby Yoda's character are adolescent challenges. And so, I honestly, I'd be very, very surprised. That just seems antithetical to the prime directive of Disney, which is to make money. And it just seems that right now they're already making a gang of cheese off of Baby Yoda, the notion that they would switch or flip like that without a, a, a safety valve somewhere. They say, okay, well, you know, it's just, you know, it's an adolescent mistake. He's not really the destroyer of worlds. He's just this kid who makes mistakes because he's hungry. He ate the spider too. You know what I'm saying? Dude just eats anything that's around him. I don't get the sense. He ate a frog. He ate a spider. I think one episode he tried to eat a rock. I'm just saying, I don't think that, um, that they're necessarily setting up him eating eggs as a um, as some kind of foreshadowing of him being like the next Sith Lord, you know, I respect your opinion. Stranger <laughs> things have happened. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I know you're also arguing from the point of view of a parent. Which yeah, <laughs> Jared and I are not. But yeah. ultimate power corrupts ultimately, right? And right now, Baby Yoda is or the child. Is one of the most powerful yeah. beings in the galaxy that we know of. Yeah. We've witnessed yeah. we've witnessed um, what he's done with that power. Yeah. And uh, episode and in, in season one, <clears throat> it was out of defense, out of protection. But these are all paths to the dark side, right? Fear, mm -hmm. anger, hate. Uh, all of these are paths to the dark side. The dark side is incredibly seductive. Yeah. You know, and if this guy's gonna be a kid for the next. 200 years, then the temptation is going to be even greater. Yeah, making young mistakes, but, but ultimately, like, you know, when, when they're praised for the mistakes they make, they become Sith Lords, right? Yeah. They get manipulated and they become that. So, like, this potential there. Um, and, and without a teacher, you know, which we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how it, Luke is going to be introduced or if, if, uh, if um, Ahsoka is even yeah. going to be introduced in that manner, then all yeah. you have is this young child with this mercenary, right? It's like, it's like Arya Stark. I'm going to take it to Game of Thrones. Arya Stark was, was, was a, 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 just a little girl who was the, the daughter of a lord who wanted more. Who wanted a, to, she wanted a, a story different from the one that was being written for me. Then all she was surrounded by were killers. Right, killers. You know, Clegane was a killer. Uh, her father was a killer. Um, you know, the the faceless man was a killer. So what did she become? You know, she became a killer. And you know, we 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 because we liked her, we see her as a protagonist in the story. You know, and we 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 um, agreed with her revenge. But she murdered a lot of people, man. <laughs> you know, she murdered a lot of people, and so, so I mean, it's the potential here because he's a bounty hunter and a mercenary, uh, and not a Jedi, and doesn't understand 
the you know the ways of the force or the temptations that come with it, Baby Yoda's gonna be evil. Yeah, this Lord, it's coming. But Baby Yoda, but Baby Yoda is witnessing him do the other thing as well, right? She's she's not she. Baby Yoda is also witnessing the Mandalorian perform acts of good, right? They're they're he's seeing and witnessing the Mandalorian be honorable. So I, I would say that, that to some extent that is still counterbalanced at some point. Obviously, we're speculating that this could be the storyline. I personally think that right now that isn't the storyline. The only reason I would say that I, the mistakes that Baby Yoda is making is more about the Mandalorian and less about Baby Yoda. I will take it back to, I think, what you had said earlier. My kids do all kinds of crazy, dangerous things. Anyone listening to this and the two of you, I want you to go on YouTube and check out a, a, um, and just type in the search dads rescuing their kids and you can see how much crazy crap kids are about to do just before their dad saved them because i'm saying my kids do crazy stuff all the time that i have to rescue them from the crap they eat what they stand on you know my four-year-old thinks she's a jedi right now and she jumps from the coffee table to the couch and that's a pretty wide gap most of the time she makes it but sometimes she doesn't and the thing about it is, like, I have to judge when I have to look over at her like, eh, it's too large a gap and try to catch her midair before she hurts herself. I get the sense that that's kind of the story. The story is about the decision that Mando Mando's making as a dad <clears throat> versus the, the silly things that baby Yoda's doing. So I don't know. No, I think it could be a little bit of both, right? I mean, like, I, I think season one, we saw we saw Baby Yoda choke out Gina Carone, right? <laughs> so, I mean, you know, like, you know, like, like, he's already done something that was like a path to the dark side or that took a took a, a advantage of his power in a way that Mando didn't want that, you know, and the baby didn't know what it was doing. So, I mean, obviously Mando's learning from this and we're seeing that reflection in his character arc. Uh, as he as he grows as a character, but you know I can see Baby Yoda not necessarily turn into Anakin, but using its abilities in ways that it can't control, and 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 Mando having to find a way to to help the baby control it. What you're thinking about is Baby Yoda's powers are more like an arm than it is like a spell book, because Baby Yoda's never had like we had talked about before. Baby Yoda's never had a teacher, so as far as Baby Yoda's concerned, reaching out with the Force to save someone or to help someone or to help him eat or to help him take a crap is like moving his arm or moving his leg right now. He, there is no intellectual connection to the idea of metachlorates or anything else. Luckily, they haven't mentioned that anywhere in the story. But my, my, my guess is, is that it's like a, a, a small child that would smack a fly that's on its arm or push another kid down that's trying to steal his toys at, at preschool. It's not meant to be any kind of advantage based on the fact that he has the force i don't think baby yoda is making intellectual connection that oh well i have the force and you don't so i'm going to choke you out yeah, yeah no i mean but i look what i will say is is this if you cannot compare you cannot compare like a, a all-powerful force you know to just like just like uh trying to jump across a table and missing you know and then being a, an empathetic father and responding to that as opposed yeah. to being a hardened bounty hunter that lives by a specific code that's not going to respond in that same way. Like, because Baby Yoda has access to this force and doesn't have access to the training, there, 
it's not going to know the difference between right and wrong or good or bad. Like you're saying, it's just its arm. It just is, you know. Um, so that's the way it's going to understand it. That's the way it's going to navigate in the world with this power, you know, without moral dilemma, which is why he just saw food even when he was corrected and told not to eat the eggs. He continued to eat the eggs because it was going on instinct and and it, it's its own wants, right? Its own desire as opposed to what was being said. Go for it. Kids do what kids do. I tell my daughter to not eat any more Oreos. She keeps eating the Oreos and then tells me she don't know what happened to the Oreos. Kids are going to do what kids do because they're kids, not because they're trying to behave in a way that's evil. You know what I'm saying? I did that crap. You did that crap. Jerry, well, what no, you got Again, no one's, saying evil, no one's saying evil, right? Like evil okay. wasn't the statement. But right. whether you're evil or not, like, you know, your daughter doesn't have powers to choke somebody out from across the room, Jerry. A cookie is different like than trying to choke somebody out across the room. So when you have the ability to like to like choke a hardened warrior out, you know, out of fear, out of a reaction of fear, that's an entirely different situation, right? That's more than that. That's a Spider-Man where great power comes great responsibility, right? And and yeah, and that's what what's happening in here is they're trying to find. He's trying to find people who can help him navigate this shit. I'm saying if if they don't find anybody because there's right now. There's the only person, known person in the galaxy, in this galaxy is Luke Skywalker that follows the Jedi code. If they don't find him, then that kid's going to be left alone to his, own, to his own lessons, right? And I'm not saying that they have to be a Jedi to be good, but there's, there's not going to be any guidance for, for, for him to know the difference, to know how to use that power, to know that acting out of fear you know, and accessing that power so easily is part of the dark side. Jerry, I, I just want to say, Frankie, uh, I think you just confirmed that Mark Hamill will be in a, in a future season of The Mandalorian, right? Like, that's got to happen, right? Like, they got to try to take... Luke Skywalker exists in this world. He just had this huge victory. We're going to see Luke Skywalker in this shit, right? Like, that's got to be a thing. Not to mention, considering that the way Mark Hamill went out and The Last Jedi, and then some of the comments he's made, I'll agree. I think that not only do I think that he that it's like that he'll be in an episode, but I'm betting he wants to be. That it seems to me that there's a lot of actors and actresses out there that are trying to find any way they can to get into The Mandalorian. It just seems like it's one of those childhood dreams, you know, for, I mean, there's Emmy Award-winning actors and, um, and Oscar Award-winning actors that seem like they'd like to just do just one cameo on the Mandalorian so they can be a part of the lore. I mean, I know that I would if I was, you know, one of these cats, right? Shoot, if I was Rick Moranis or if I was Robert De Niro, it wouldn't make a difference. I'd want to try to be at least one episode of the Mandalorian. It's, you know, it's probably the closest feeling we've had since the first trilogy to the way Star Wars made us feel, right? John Leguizamo was in episode episode one, which is, or yeah, one. That was great. That was a great little cameo. Yeah. Um, didn't even know. Uh, but yeah, you said any other questions though, right, Jared? Yeah, I'm going to move on. I think that Frankie and I are going to have to see where it lands with Baby Yoda. I know that I'm on the other side. I, right now, I think we're on two different sides of the fence with this. Real quick, I want to quick your guys' feelings real fast about some of the small things that are going on I thought were kind of cool in terms of um, expanding the lore. You know, him um, actually, them actually having a relationship with the Sand Raiders. Like I said, when I mentioned the Sand Raiders, speaking sign language, that there was a language, the sign Raiders, Sand Raiders, 
actually oh, had. Okay, okay, okay. That, that's what I was. I was. I was. It was a metaphor for larger issues. Him brushing the teeth. No, that that I am enjoying. Right, I'm enjoying that they're giving, um, for for lack of a better term, they're humanizing all of these different uh, races and creatures. Right, the first time we got like uh, the sand people, um, you know, they they were just making noises and waving guns around, um, mm -hmm. you know, and so so to think like, oh, they have a language. Like they're trying to survive too. Like they're warring with these people. Like this, this kill will feed them, you know, for the next year in this vast Tucson desert. Like it's 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 yeah, it's pretty awesome. It was also pretty awesome, you know. The, even though he he died early in the episode, was I think one of the bounty hunters in in episode two was a uh, was a Jawa, you know, which was really cool. I mean, I I, I thought that was cool, man. I thought I was like. Oh, this dude, because Jawas are hardcore, so it would make sense that, yeah. that, that, you know, the strongest of them will become this sort of bounty hunter. That guy was kind of sad that he got taken out so, I mean, it was <laughs> so quickly and, uh, and, and, you know, horribly, but. Yeah, agreed, man. Jared, unless you have something to, you want to add, man, we can go ahead and start. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that goes a lot to what you guys said, all, all true. I think it goes a lot to just the character designs, like the creature designs, the effects um the uh um the puppeteering like it feels like they're spending a lot of money and time into into not just putting everything in the cg effects but into finding a way to do both right to have your cg but have your your puppetry and really bring it together in a cohesive way that allows uh for such dynamic characterizations um for these characters right and i feel like maybe starting from there helps them sort of also kind of bridge the gap and expand uh, the functionality of a lot of these characters and just how they interact with the world themselves. It's not just, I mean, that's the cool thing about a TV show, right? A movie, you gotta, you gotta go in, you gotta get out, you gotta do your thing, you gotta bust it, right? But with a TV show, you got time to really sit with the world. And I, I love that they're really paying attention to details in every aspect of it. Okay, real quick, um, one last question. Um, what do you guys want to see coming up in the next two episodes, in episodes three and four? Do you want to see more on the Dark Saber with um, Dim Jaren? Do you want to start moving into what happens with the Moth and you know something a little bit more cohesive in terms of what is the the primary storyline? I have to admit, I like vignettes in the way that I think that Jared um, somewhat just mentioned in the sense that it um it's a bit of world building. But um, what are you guys hoping to see in the next few episodes? Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka is like Amen. what I'm most excited about uh, to see, like in the expansion of the lore and the expansion of the story. And um, yeah, Rosario Dawson, you know, is going to play her. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Ahsoka Tano very quickly became my favorite character, like in the Star Wars universe. So that's exciting. But uh, that's just, I think that's just going to build into another show. What I'm, mo what I am most excited to see is is uh, is the interaction between between Mando, the child, and the Jedi. Um, because I, I think there are there in his exploration and in his his journeying, he's going to come across them. And I think uh, we've seen in some of the clips they've given images of people who look kind of like Jedi's, or at least maybe like Force sensitives or some sort of other force wielders. So I'm excited to see that happen. And I'm excited to see, um, yeah, the more of the character development of Mando. Nice. 
Jared? Yeah, I'm with you. Like, I mean, that stuff is really exciting. Like, I'm a little bit different in that. Like, I really do love, like, I, I love this for Mandalorian to be its own thing, right? For it to be nuts and bolts, build its own mythology, build its own characters, and that mythology and characters can be used on future stuff, kind of like how Mandalorian is doing now. So I like for them to keep a clear goal on what they're doing and building their story. But also, you know, obviously bringing in uh, the older Star Wars stuff as well. So I'm, I'm excited for Shokatano. I can't wait to see what they do with that. I love how they're building up uh, the Jedi. Even now, like, you know, he doesn't call them Jedi. He calls them enemy sorcerers. You know what I mean? Like, so already, you know, that's going to be fun when he finally uh, uh, butts heads with them. Um, but yeah, so I can't wait to see all that stuff. Kind of love the Filoni uh, verse, right? The Rebels stuff. Like the idea of seeing like, like uh, them do a live action representation of like a Sith temple or uh, the Jedi temples that you've seen in animated stuff a lot. You see in the comics a lot, but you don't really see in the movies or the TV or I guess there hasn't been live action TV shows, but in the movies. So I can't wait to see that represented in the Mandalorian, but I, I hope they still keep an eye on um, building their own story and their own lore um, within the story itself, within the Mandalorian. I like that within the Outer Rim, especially because it's not Coruscant, it's not the inner um, uh, Republic planets, but I like that in the Outer Rim that the mythology around the Mandalorians is very similar to the mythology around the Jedi, where many people haven't met um, Jedi in the Outer Rim, but they similarly have not met a lot of Mandalorians. So when they meet one, all of them have these preconceived ideas of what Mandalorians are, which I think is kind of a cool, sl slightly counter-narrative to the Jedi, especially if there's the idea that uh, at some point, they were at odds. All right, you guys, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I want to thank everyone for listening to our first episode of, wait a second, what do we name it again? This batch is from the Outer Rim. All right, y'all. Hey, check it. If you get an opportunity, please check um, check out Mutant or Minority at mutantorminority.com. Um, you can also find us at Mutant or Minority on Instagram and Twitter as well. Um, you can find my man Jared at spaceman, spaceman underscore Jared on Twitter, Spaceman Jared on Spaceman underscore Jared on Twitter and Instagram. Yeah, that's where you, that's where you can find me. Get that get that arts. So yeah, you can find me at really? the Breakfast Chainsaw Master on Instagram or Bus Stop Profit on Instagram. Um, yeah. yeah. All right, y'all. Thank you guys so much and peace. And good evening. Yeah. Tell me how. Tell me how.